This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello and welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast. How are you doing? I hope all is well with you and you are surviving the chaos, shall we say, that seems to be engulfing the UK, uh, certainly it's government at the moment, <laughs> anyway. So hopefully this podcast will be a little spot of brightness for you. Uh, and I really hope that you enjoyed last week's episode with the phenomenal Parisa. If you've had a chance uh, to listen to it, do let me know. If you haven't, then do go and listen to it. It's just a fabulous example of the power of just one person to create the positive change that we need. And today's episode really does follow on with that theme with another amazing change maker making that positive change where they live and beyond. So I'm chatting to Shei Jing, who is the founder and director of Refashion My Town, a social enterprise based in Chippenham in Wiltshire, which is all about empowering young people to make a positive impact through slow fashion. Wow, there are just so many things I love about just that last sentence alone. So listen in to hear more about this brilliant project and the fabulous work that Shei Jing and her team are doing. And maybe even get some ideas for things that you might be, might be able to get off the ground in your community or some conversation starters for fast fashion chats with the young people and the old people and indeed any people in your life. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Shay Shing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's Finally. really great. It. Yeah, I know. We've been, we've been backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards trying to do this for so long. So introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Shisheng and I am the founder of Refashion My Town. Amongst other things, I do lots of other things, as you know, but that's uh, my key part I'm talking to you about. Refashion My Town is a um, social enterprise based in Chippenham, and we try to work with young people, encourage them to make a, a positive impact, so social and environmental impact through fashion. Amazing. And that sums it up. <laughs> You've got your tagline sorted. I like that. Um, <laughs> and we first sort of came across each other when you had a different project didn't you but it was still a sustainable fashion project tell us a little bit about that yes uh we met what well, it must have been what 10 years ago or something a long long time ago. <laughs> yes um I was uh, then working on my brand Jake and Maya which was a kids fashion brand uh, that sort of encourage people to wear their clothes for longer, uh, try to, yeah, it's similar to what we're doing now, actually, but without the product. And um, it was through Jake and Maya that I then discovered a lot of, a lot about sustainability and led me to, onto this journey of starting refashion. So, yeah, 
Wow. And so prior to Jake and Maya, were you sustainability minded? Did you, or how did you sort of start to know about sustainable fashion and think it's something that you might want to have, you know, do something about? I had no idea. When I got into Jake and Maya, a friend of mine asked me, shall we start a fashion brand? And I was like, yeah, I just had my kids then. So I'm like, yeah, why not? Uh, it sounded like fun. And uh, she'd just come out of fashion school. So I think she went to Central St. Martin and she wanted to do something. So I said, yes, let's do it. And so we launched it and I had no idea. I did not know anything about fashion. I did not know anything about sustainability. I've always been sustainability, you're sustainably aware, mm. but not as much as I learned through running Jake and Maya. It was really so my, my interest really came through running Jake and Maya and learning about sustainability that way, how bad it was for the environment. And then I start because when we first started, I only knew about organic clothing and that was as, as sustainable as I was. Mm. Or as you know, I didn't have any further knowledge than that. And then it was through running the brand that I kind of learned more into in depth into what sustainability sustainability really is. Um, mm. Yeah. So no on both of those things no idea about fashion no idea about sustainability so it's been quite a steep learning curve yeah yeah so we've done a few episodes before mainly sort of repair focused I think looking at fashion and things and we've <laughs> delved a little bit into some of the statistics and things around fashion but have you got any I say favorites but do you know what I mean like obviously they're not favorites because they're not you know what they're representing and what they're the, the story they're telling isn't isn't good but are there any statistics that you come back to that you use when you're discussing the impact of fashion with people I mean there are two things that I keep going back to um, when I go out to schools to talk to the young people is how much waste we're wasting um, or how much ends up in a landfill there is this figure I've got in my mind is that 350,000 tons a year that we throw away into the landfills but I think that's a few years old. That's, right. I think that number is actually much higher than that now. Wow. Uh, and then the other one that I, one of my favorites that the young people seem to get quite shocked about is how much water we use in making a pair of denim, for example. I think it's about 20,000 liters of water or around 24,000 liters of water. Uh, of course, that includes the sort of growing of the cotton and the processing as well and the washing, but it's quite a lot. And that's for one pair of jeans? For one pair of jeans, yes. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, so, and those things we don't think about, we tend to shop and we forget about what happens to the clothes after, where, where does it all go? And we also, we also don't think about how did those jeans or, you know, how did the clothes get here? Mm. What happens to it before we, we get to the shop? So I think those two facts kind of sums it up. What gets the conversation going about what fashion really is before and what fashion is after? Yeah. So where did the idea for Refashion My Town come from? And, and what was the original idea? I guess I don't know how close what you've got now is to the original idea and all those sorts of things. But <laughs> where did where did the idea come from? It evolves. Um, the idea <laughs> came very much from, like I said before, um, from growing Jake and Maya, the brand and the children because uh, they're your twins aren't they it's named exactly, after your twins exactly. yeah. named after them so um yeah so whilst while I was working on Jake and Maya I kind of discovered how difficult in a way it was to sell sustainable clothing to people partially not sell it actually how people were not really ready to take on that journey 
is what I discovered whilst I was doing Jake and Maya. So we had, our clothing was organic, it was zero waste, and we also had mending and sewing, like sewing and mending kits included into um, each one of the garments so that mm. they can then go away and, and mend it and make it last longer. And we even had a free mending service. But what happened was a lot of people still didn't use it. They didn't utilize the service because it was still taking too long for them to get the garment back or they were oh. not altering or they were not uh, mending the clothes themselves because they just couldn't be bothered. So it was very much a mindset thing. So then after that, um, after that sort of realization, I decided to stop all production because it didn't really make sense to produce something, to reduce something. So textile mm. waste is the thing that I was really passionate about. So based on that assumption of, of knowing that, I decided to kind of focus more on the mindset piece. So what actually we need to change people's mindset about sustainability and sustainable fashion. It's not about producing the next be most beautiful, the most organic piece, you know, like the, the best, most sustainable solution I think even with the most sustainable solution or the most sustainable design if people are not willing to invest in sustainability they don't have the right mindset about sustainability then they're just not going to buy it because it is going to cost more than less ethical products it's just we can't do it mm. in a way that you know competes with less sustainable brands because they are not paying fair wages and they're not using the right materials. So I think, yeah, so that's how we fashion was born, really, because I wanted to work with people, especially young people, to change their mindset rather than trying to sell them a product. So we moved into more sort of the educational space. And isn't there a statistic? Is it Patrick Grant of Sewing Bee? I'm sure he said something a couple of years ago that there are basically enough clothes in existence to clothe like the next five or six generations or something so we could literally mm -hmm. stop producing clothes now and we would all have enough clothes for the next five or six generations I'd need to double yeah. check that stat but just that alone is mind-blowing isn't it and so actually if we we don't need to be producing and buying more and more new clothes no matter to a certain extent and I feel bad saying this because I know there are lots of amazing wonderful um you know independent businesses doing brilliant sustainable fashion but maybe we don't you know we need much which is grammatically correct fewer clothes or less clothes less clothes I think um and more about what you're doing in terms of that mindset and uh keeping our clothes in use and all those sorts of things yeah I actually might the figure that I've heard is actually eight generations wow um, so it's even more than five but I think it's more than that because we all have clothes in the back of our wardrobes that we don't wear and what I've discovered as well since um, opening Refashion in the last year is that people have so much excess in their wardrobes that they never wear. And a lot of the stuff that they give to us actually are brand new. We have tags mm. on everything. It's just we can't deal with sustainability with, you know, encouraging people to buy more. Mm. I, it's like... It, it's like you said, I do feel bad for encouraging people not to buy because I was a brand owner myself. Um, so we do need people to buy from us. But until people realize the value of the sustainably ethically made clothing, they're never going to invest in it because it's, we first, especially from the more sustainable, the more independent brands, because the smaller brands, they, they don't have the, the branding in terms of competition. They don't have the price. They don't have much to compete with. Yeah. In, in that sense and for people to actually be willing to want to invest in independent brands that are sustainably made and ethically made 
side. They need to understand your values. And until that point is we all going to struggle as uh, smaller independent brand owners. I think this is just the middle piece, but we, eventually I'm hoping that we'll get to a point where people will appreciate clothing and the value of clothing more so they understand what they bind themselves into. So it's not just, you know, fashion. Mm. We'll stop buying fast fashion and buy slower fashion. That's yeah. sort of the ideal outcome. So it's not so much saying stop buying clothes now and then let all the smaller independent brands yeah, die. Yeah. It's actually encouraging them to do it, but they need to understand the values first before they will. So, mm. so, so you thought, okay, so there's a missing piece here, or you know, we need to really work on that mindset piece and that education piece. What was your vision then? What was your original idea of how to to start to make this happen? I mean, this again has evolved as all businesses and ideas mm. do. <laughs> as a creative, we like to evolve things <laughs> <laughs> and develop. So initially, it was a small little pod- community project where someone asked me if I wanted to run a an environmental project with her based on clothing and textile waste, knowing um, that was my interest. And I said yes. And then that was it. We're going to do a couple of swaps and maybe talk a little bit about sustainability and textile waste in, cl- uh, in schools. But that now has grown into a bigger idea in my head, of course, as it does. So now we, what we really want to do is actually engage as many secondary schools and colleges as possible and actually also work with them uh, from not just providing them with knowledge. We need to give them the knowledge so that they understand why we're there. So that's, but that's like step one. But then the next thing we need to do is actually make part of a community that can support each other with, within the set and then also enable them to then take that knowledge and do something with it. And then from that, and it's, it's kind of like a whole process we need to take them through. And it's a sort of a, a change management process almost. Um, so it's not just about let's give them knowledge and then, yeah, but what yeah. they're going to do with it after. So we need to look a little bit further down that journey. We start them sort of early on with give them knowledge and then we have to encourage them to be part of our project and whilst they do be part of our project we also develop a community that supports each other and that community then grows into a bigger community so and then it grows and grows within the community itself um so i think in terms of where it was and where it is it is it, scaling in my mind and it has to be because you can't work on just one piece of change you need to have a whole process of change and that's what we're trying to develop now so just give them knowledge at schools that's step one and then what do we do with them after that so obviously everybody wears clothes and whether we you know think of the clothes we wear as uh, air quotes fashion or not it's something we all sort of have to take part in um why did you decide you wanted to focus on young people well, I mean, fashion for us was just a tool. It could have been anything, really. Uh, sustainability is a huge area, so but fashion is my interest. So um, in terms of why we wanted to work with young people, I think between the age, when they're sort of early teenage years, it's the first time when they actually start to make their own decisions. Um, that's why I wanted to work with them. So capture them early, but not too early, because earlier when they are still um, younger, it tends to be, the parents' values that they're holding on to and they the parents are making their decisions. But once they get to hit 13, 14, 15, that age, they, they start to make their own decisions about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, all of those things. And also it's that time when they're starting to form 
their own identities and their own values. So if we can get in at that time and sort of just give them some more knowledge about, um, you know, sustainability, what that means and how that, how, how they can make an impact. We're hoping then that we can start to form or, you know, help them form new identities around a healthier way of living. So, um, yeah, that's why really we wanted to work with the age that we work with, which is um, starts at around 14 years old. It's really interesting that you said, oh, it could have been anything and you just chose fashion. But actually, I um, recently we did a sort of eco day with a local secondary school and, and we chose food as the focus. Mm-hmm. And I was quite shocked is maybe too strong a word, but there wasn't massive engagement from them. Like and my son said this and so my son's in year nine now and he just says, mom, it's not cool. It's not nobody is you know, nobody's going to volunteer to go to an eco club. It's just not. And I was really like, oh, but I don't know if that is just a difficult age because you just want to fit in. And, you know, primary school, it feels like it's pretty easy to engage them. And then sixth form, it feels like they've sort of found themselves and their values and a lot of them are really passionate and sort of come back to it. But it feels like that secondary school age, and especially, I, I don't know, that sort of years eight, nine, ten, maybe feels feels really difficult. And I wonder if, a, you've had that experience, and B, whether actually fashion really helps to engage them because it's something that they're already quite into. Uh, yes, definitely. Dif- difficult age. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't just me then. <laughs> no, it's, I mean we. Uh, my my kids are now fourteen, fifteen. Um, it's a difficult age generally because they don't like to engage in a lot of things especially like using you know like your son says it's not cool eco club is not cool but we can but I think fashion like you mentioned it is has helped us engage with them because it is that age when they want to find their identity and they want to you know find their own group so fashion does that yeah. And also fashion is always going to be cool at this age. You know, I, I don't know if you remember, I, I, I wore some really I was never cool. Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I look pretty, um, yeah, I, I thought it was very fashionable. But, you know, fashion is, <laughs> is part of the identity. And I think that really helps tie people together. And so I think fashion is very powerful in that way. And, and if we can use it in a positive way, um, I, can, I, I really think that it can build uh, communities around it. And we do, we do build communities around fashion, but we just want to use it in a positive way rather than like everybody goes now to shop in certain fast fashion brands because that's what everyone else did. Yeah. And you want to be part of a group and belong. So with fashion, with refashion, what we want to do is actually try to make them feel like they belong uh, within our space and build a community for them, which is the second part of what I tried to sort of mention earlier. We give them the knowledge and we have to give them that sense of belonging. Uh, so although it's a difficult age, but I think it's also a very, um, it's a very vulnerable age as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's a very important um, time in our lives, this age where we build our identity. So yeah, difficult age, definitely, but fashion has definitely helped as well, yes. Yeah, and I think fashion's so tangible, isn't it? And it can be quite hands-on in terms of, you know, repairing and the things that you can do, but also it is something that young people have, you know, that's the way they start to express their voice and start to have some control over. Whereas I guess food is more difficult because probably, you know, if you're living at home, your parents are still cooking and, you know, doing the shopping and all that sort of thing. And it's hard to, 
for you as as an individual member of a family when you could you know family meal is being cooked to kind of feel like you have any kind of ownership or you can have any effect on that isn't it but fashion yeah. is something you know you like you say you can go out with your mates on a Saturday and you can all go shopping around the usual high street brands or you can mm -hmm. If you've got a, a community around you who you know and you're like actually let's go to the and you feel okay to be able to say should we go to the charity shop should we see what they've got and yeah. then we can have a go at upcycling or doing whatever yeah um but you now you have a, a an actual premises don't you You have a a space a community well a shop and a space and tell us yeah. more about that yeah we do uh just for another week actually um, oh no it's quite sad um, yes, yeah, so we've had it for a year. We opened last uh, when was April, May time last mm. year, just after lockdown, like a couple of weeks, a few weeks after lockdown, we opened. And um, so we are on Borough Parade in Chippenham. It's a shop, it's a workshop space. We also have a music studio above us as well. So we've got lots of young people playing in mm. their bands playing. And then we have um, Mending Fridays. We have so it's been an amazing year um, because we've engaged a lot of young people to come in for work experience. We've had um, we've got lots of volunteers who are young as well. They really want to be part of this space. And we have young people that come in just hanging out with us. Well, you've made it a really cool space, haven't you? It's not like some yeah. sort of musty, fusty, I don't know, sort of slightly worthy space. It's somewhere that they want to go and want to hang out and want to be. Want yeah. To be. But it was created with that intention that we wanted it to be a community space for young people to hang out and have provide them with um, sustainable fashion options and also teaching them the skills to mend and sew and be part of that community. We created it with that with that in mind. And I think that's what's lacking sometimes when you go to charity shops It's just another charity shops. Mm. And then that's what we didn't want to become because we wanted to be that space where young people could be and actually admittedly some people were put off by what we were doing or they were being unsure about coming into our shop because they don't understand what we're doing because what we're doing is different yeah. they're expecting us to be another charity shop mm. so they they and we've got like scribbles all of our windows we've got a sofa that you can scribble on and there's always things happening young people hanging around just on their phones it's just lots of things happening all the time and some of the people that maybe not our target audience um <laughs> not that they don't like us but they're unsure it, it, yes. it provides a sense of like it's that uncertainty what, what are they who are they but young yes. people can seem to connect with us much better so yeah so we've gone and gone another week now so oh so is that <laughs> has your funding run out or your lease runs out or you've decided that it's better focusing elsewhere no, no, no. Um, it's um, the the bird parade has been sold to another landlord. So um, the new landlords have got other plans. So they cut our lease short, which is a shame because it was just it's, it's taken a, a while to get organized and get out there. And um, and also post COVID was a bit quiet anyway. Yes. But so it's what it is. So um, we're tidying up and everything this this week and we're going to have our leaving party next week. Oh. And then, um, yeah, we're, we're going to actually um, concentrate more on our educational programs and it actually frees up then more time for us to do our educational work and also think of other events and other fun things that we can do. So you've mentioned the educational things and I've seen a few of your posts on social media about going into schools and, you know, running um, workshops and things with them. So um, how what kinds of things do you do with the I say children, that's really needed. They're not children, but the young people. <laughs> what sorts of things are you going into schools and doing? 
Um, so it depends a little bit on uh, who it is and what, what groups we engage in with. Of, of course, if it's a, let's say, we've gone out there for, uh, what's it called, environmental day, so we can go mm. and talk more generally about the environmental impact of fashion. We tend to always start with a talk about the environmental impact of fashion so they understand why we're there. Yeah. And then um, the workshop varies a little bit depending on the skills that they have. It could be upcycling. Uh, we did a pom-pom upcycling just with some old yarn uh, or, or we can do a garment upcycling if it's a, if it's a, textile, um, a textile group or just some basic mending and sewing and alteration skills. So it depends a little bit on what, what, what age group and their, yeah. sort of their skills that they have. Uh, we also collaborate like with Wiltshire College. They've developed some posters for us uh, based on some facts we've given them. And we've launched um, denim upcycle denim competition that we're judging at the moment. So we're about to announce that. So there's lots of different things to involve the young people in, but it's all, always based on their skills mm. and what their needs are. So something we leave it fairly open to kind of discovery when we are there. So how does the... As you say, it's, it's great going into schools and, and giving young people the, the information and the knowledge and start to get hold of some of the skills and things that they need to, to be doing to be thinking about um, their impact and how they can reduce it, I guess. But that community element, how, and this might be something you're still exploring, but is, is there a way to sort of leave a school with a foundation for that so that they have the start of this sustainable fashion community or just sustainability community once you once you leave I think that is the thing that we are trying to explore at the moment because that's what the shop was for mm, yeah so whenever we went into school we can invite them all to come to our shop and come to our free um like we have mending Fridays for example when yes, you just can yes. come in and drop in and mend and then they can also get in and uh, volunteer for us and become part of the team. So there was lots of ways for our students to be part of refashion and be part of that community. So now we don't have that space anymore, which is a real shame. But we'll, we, well, we'll find another way to do that, whether it's online or offline. Mm. But I think it needs to be a live offline element to it. I think there are so many online groups. Um, it's just not the same because we need to be able to sit down together and just yeah. be and mend and and sew or even just chat and have yeah. somewhere to go and I think that's really really important so that's our yeah we're working on that so if another if another space you know became available then that's something that you'd love to to try and you know start up again possibly <laughs> putting words in your mouth <laughs> I'm just thinking if anybody's listening who's you know in and around Wiltshire who's thinking oh we might have a venue or somewhere you could um yeah. you could use then um yes def definitely an option um definitely an option other options that we are thinking about is to run regular workshops yes. we will continue to run regular workshops in various places and we can also run events we are looking at maybe doing an upcycled fashion event um, in the next in next year so we can in, involve the students in that way. So if we, we are going to go out to speak to the schools in the next yeah. few weeks to see um, how we can collaborate with them and what kind of capacity and what their students need and also what the curriculum needs as well. So how we can integrate within the curriculum as much as possible, not just in within textiles but also within other topics as well because sustainability and fashion as well you know is we can talk about the the 
there's social impact as well. We can talk about business. You know, there's lots of areas within this that we can actually talk to the students about. Well, it's really exciting, isn't it? Thinking, you know, you could do a little, I don't know if it still does it, but but I'm sure, I don't know if it was when I was, no, I'm probably, probably was um, probably wasn't that long ago, but there was a scheme, I think, when like Richard Branson did it, where he'd like gave groups of, you know, as an enterprise scheme where a group would get a tenner and see how much they could kind of make out of it. But you could kind of do that kind of thing, but with a, an upcycle challenge, couldn't you? And like you yeah. said, there's so much, I feel like, lots of teachers really want to do more around sustainability but the curriculum is so squeezed and so packed and you know so so sometimes having something that can come along and can slot in and can integrate with the curriculum I think would be hugely um sort of beneficial and it feels like especially some of the mending skills just feel like basic life skills that all our kids should yeah. be leaving school knowing how to do doesn't it like sew on a button and you know take up a pair of trousers and all that sort of thing yeah, I mean, they really don't do enough of that. Um, in most of the schools that we've been out to, even in colleges, they some of the kids really haven't really even threaded a needle. Yeah. They just don't know how. And we forget, because we know how, but we forget actually the next generation may not. Well, I don't think I knew how. We didn't do any textiles at school. And I, I remember I learned to sew after having our eldest, who's now nearly 14. And mm. I literally was terrified of the sewing machine, didn't know what a bobbin was, didn't know how to, you know, it just like was completely alien to me. And so I can imagine that another generation are coming through feeling like that as well. Yeah. I mean, if we don't know, then this, the next, I think this generation growing up now that are in secondary school now are really like the lost generation. Mm. I think the next one is going to be much better because we're talking much more about sustainability at the moment than we did even in the previous generation. So I think the next generation, the kids that this generation going to have, they're going to be much more in tune with sustainability. So it's just the current one we seem to have, they've just got lost in that whole kind of fast food, fast fashion yeah. um, life. And on your tagline on your or your signature on your email, um, it says a local, I think a local social enterprise with a big vision, which I really loved. Um, what is the big vision then? Well, the big vision really is that we can eradicate fast fashion. <laughs> so to be able to create a scheme that's replicable and we've rolled out to schools nationwide. Yes, I would love to do that. That is actually on my mind now. Um, and I think part, part of the reason why I'm not as committed as maybe I should be to have a shop is because I'm thinking a little bit beyond that. We need to reach out to other communities. I think every town needs Chippenham needs this for sure but I think we need to work faster we need to like roll this out to more schools so that we can integrate it into the curriculum into more and more schools quickly um, before it's too late um, really and I think this time is where people are looking for options and I think it's a really good time at the moment to go out there and you know make some real change and make some real impact and the reason why I really like that tagline as well you know like a small um, social enterprise I think small is not a bad thing and I think that's for how we can make change lots of small people can make a lot of big changes and I, I, I like to keep that in mind as well so it's not just the big corporations that can make change also small small organizations individual people we can all be there to make that change um, in a big way and so if anyone's listening and they're thinking do you know what this sounds amazing and kind of sounds doable do you know like it you talked about sort of you know your initial vision being to run a few local events and some clothes swaps and things and and that's certainly something I've I haven't I didn't do it um 
working with young people, but certainly just with our local community, you know, a clothes swap is a, a relatively easy way one to sort of get started and to get off the ground. But and and you we mentioned just there that you're a social enterprise. So in terms of a sort of uh, I guess a business model, have you been reliant so far on funding, and is that the sort of model going forward? So just thinking for anyone who's thinking I I'd like to get involved in this too, is it? chasing grants or is there a way to make it wash its own face when we first set up we got some grants to everything off and that was a majority of that was to um was actually put back into the shop so if you let's say we're not going to have a shop um or if you are i don't think funding is critical because there are ways there's so many ways to get people to engage with you and support you financially at the moment beyond just relying on funding because funding mm. is difficult it's kind of tedious <laughs> <laughs> it takes up a lot of time to apply for funding there are some great funders out there but I don't think it's necessarily like the, 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 I don't think it's necessary you know like you don't have to have it in order to do something to try to make change you can do it on your own back start a fundraising campaign or charge people at the door and you know there's lots and lots of things we can do to raise that funding independently without having to rely on funding but funding helps for sure especially yeah. if you're thinking a little bit bigger you do need funding but we what we wanted to do in our model is that initially we started with funding but as a startup funding you know so that we can remain independent yeah and yeah because that's what I did when we, we I ran a couple of switches and we just we're really lucky in that one of the local landlords in a pub was really supportive and and he just I think he let us have the space at the back of the pub for free and we charged everyone a fiver um to come in and most people were more than happy with that because they're essentially like refreshing their whole wardrobe for five quid you know it's mm -hmm. um it's really easy and then I guess with what's then left behind because that's always the like oh god what do I do with all this stuff but then there's the potential for running like an upcycling workshop or something you know to helping people to re-envision or repurpose um, all these things and create um, new stuff out of it exactly or donate it further sometimes we donate it further to other charity shops um, the things that's not suitable for us we may take down to other charity shops or some other things we we sell in you know other ways mm. yeah so there I think there's lots and lots of ways to make things happen without thinking too big financially yeah and so what other what other types of workshops and events have gone down well in in your experience we've just mentioned clothes swaps and things but is there anything that you think mm. of this people loved this is there anything else something that has been very very popular always from day one is sewing workshops for us mm. uh, lots of people don't have those basic sewing skills so they want to come in and learn how to use the machine and the amounts of people that come in to us to say oh, I've got a sewing machine, but I haven't used it. I've never used it. It's at the back of my wardrobe. I would yes, love to yeah. learn how to use it. So. I've got my mum's old sewing machine. What do I do with it? Yeah. Yeah. So that has always been very popular. And um, upcycling has also been quite popular. But I think with the younger people, it's, it's trying to engage them with something that they think is cool yeah I've got no idea what they think <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you have to ask we ask them all the time we, we're constantly asking our people our customers what do you want to learn what right. how, what skills do you have and I think that's something that we need to do more of to speak to yes. our people and say what do you want from us we're here we're here to help how can we make how can we help you change rather than trying to predict how they should change or how 
how we should teach them. It's mm. I, I'm I much more kind of prefer a way of where they're leading us. We are here. We have the skills. Now, how can we help you? And then yeah. if you re- and then they tend to respond better because the, you are connected with them in the right way. You are there to serve them. They're not there just to buy from you or you're not there just to make a business out of them. They know that you're there. And and with that kind of mindset, and that's how we run Refashion, and then that's how we run it from day one. We have so many people come in and help us. Um, you know, going back to that kind of how, how do you start? Just ask, ask people. We've got so many people coming in asking, you know, like helping us, not just volunteers, moving things, um, anything we, we need. Like people have helped us with their cars. You know, there's just lots and lots of things. I think it's just help. I just ask people and just be genuinely connecting with people that care. Mm. And so you mentioned that there was a, a denim, you had a denim upcycling challenge going on. Can you, um, you know, give us a sneak peek as to any of the amazing things that have been made? Uh, I, I'm going to put in the window soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this probably won't go out until after you've, um, exactly. after you've put it out. But yeah, it might give people some inspiration. So did everybody have like a pair of jeans as a starter? No, um, so the way the denim competition worked uh, was we launched at the before the summer, just before the summer ended uh, a few weeks before. So some of the schools managed to get it into their school um, as their final school project. Right, yeah. Um, so they could work in, at school. And some of them that were not part of those schools, they worked um, on it during the summer. So the, the competition was to think of something or a way to upcycle denim. And it wasn't a sewing competition as such. We were sort of more judging them on their um, their ideas and how in- innovative their ideas are, how creative they are in trying to come with this, come up with a solution. And they had to present like um, on A3 papers the before and after in the process and then a mock-up. So we've got some downstairs um, that we are currently judging. So, I mean, I'm really, really impressed. I can't wait to share it with everyone. <laughs> so we're going to run this competition again every year and hopefully every year, then it's going to snowball and then more and more school will get in, uh, involved. And we've got some amazing prizes. It's very oh, exciting. Oh, it sounds brilliant. And sounds I think that, that's the sort of the next part, isn't it? So try to get them involved. You, they've got the knowledge, they, they, they know that what to do and then you have to give them the skills and now this is their their chance to actually do something with it and then build a community around them and then if they win I mean the prize is to actually to take them on the next journey one of the prizes to to get um a mentoring from one of our friends in how to start up a, a fashion brand wow and then another prize is to be part of the Chupina Museum uh, permanent collection. So it goes on from there, you know, like you give them the tools to, to take it to the next level after that. So it's very exciting. It's super, super exciting. I just think it's brilliant. I think it's hugely impactful, but also sometimes we might hear about projects or think, well, that's amazing, but actually that feels that's well out of my not only not out of my comfort zone but out of you know what I ever might be able to sort of feel like I could make a start whereas I, this and, and this isn't in any way to um take away from what you've done at mm. all because it's amazing but it, it kind of feels like something we could all do or you know a, a, take a part take a bit of it and and think about something that we could do in our local community because as, as I said clo- you know we all wear clothes fashion whether we think of it as fashion or not is, is something that we're all involved in with the industry and it's somewhere where we can we can have a big impact and I don't think we need to be 
um, an expert and we don't need to be necessarily be somebody who's got amazing sewing skills and all those sorts of things because we can find those people if we sort of start to make those connections I don't sew Jen um, <laughs> <laughs> how did I not I didn't know that that's amazing uh, I, I don't I, I know how to sew it I, ha, I, I do have the basic sewing skills but it's about finding people and I think like you say it's it's everybody can do something right so mm. it's just a matter of the willingness to do something and then find the right people to collaborate with I have amazing people here that helps out on the sort of the sewing mending side and then business side I have business mentors I have sewing mentors I've got a life mentor you know that people wow. do help when you have a good idea and it's just coming up with the idea and finding the right people and sometimes some people may not be right and then you find someone else you know you, you have to just keep growing with every every like it's like life you, you just keep growing with your project if you've got an idea that you want to do I think go ahead every community needs something and I think the more of us try to make a change or do something the better it doesn't matter how big or how small we can all do that and then that's something that I always talk to the students about as well it's like it doesn't matter um how small that change is every little change matters and then and it's very much in line with what you do Jen with the stainless it's, it's about it's not about perfection it doesn't matter if your mend is not perfect or the thing that you're making or just have give it a go try yeah. and then just by even showing people that you are trying you might you don't know who you're going to inspire next yeah I love that so much I love that so much um, and that feels like a really lovely place to to end so in terms of um people coming to find out a little bit more and to follow your journey as to what happens next where can we find you on socials socials refashion my town on um, both instagram and facebook and um, sign up to our newsletter on uh, on our website refashionmytown.org to so that we can update you with what we're doing next we have some big big plans and they're gonna be very exciting and i'm sure <laughs> not finalized yet but they have work and then on instagram and facebook we fashion my town amazing thank you so much thank you for your time and thank you for everything that you're doing i think it's wonderful and i can't wait to see what comes next thank you so much jen for having me ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.